Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast for this blazing hot July 2nd episode. And Jordan, I say that for many reasons. You know, it's it's a hot pod, but it also is hot weather. My goodness, we're already in July. But as always, good to be catching up. Uh, everyone, once again, KDM or Jordan Hall joining you. And Jordan, we love to get right into it. Some talk here about the uh, two NHL hub cities potential here. Bob McKenzie reported um, that Toronto and Edmonton are the two sort of front runners at the moment. We have to keep saying front runners because nothing's official from the league yet. Yeah, Katie, it sounds like nothing is uh, signed off on yet, but it sounds like those are the two cities that the NHL um, is targeting and the ones that they want. Uh, um, it sounds like they're really at the final stages of that, uh, but you're right. It, it is not official, but it's at least good to know that it, it sounds like for the most part, um, that's what they're looking for. And uh, so it's nice to know, finally. I know we, we heard so many different candidates. W- one day it seemed like one city was a front runner, and then the next day uh, they, were, they were dropping out. Um, so it's nice to know that it, it sounds like it's Edmonton and Toronto, uh, which uh, the Flyers would be in Toronto. Um, and good for Canada. It's nice to see two Canadian cities. Obviously, it, that might be the safest approach. And I know both the arenas have um, all the amenities that I think the NHL would really need to kind of make all of this work. Um, and Katie, I think it's funny and just unique and different and weird in all of those words that it's July, like you said. It's very hot. It's July. And typically right now we're talking about free agency and players signing and big, big names going to a different team. Um, but right now – uh, we're talking about the start potentially of training camps and gearing up for this resumption of the season and a 2014 tournament. How different right now is this for you? Uh, it's, I think it's different for everyone, but um, what's it been like for you just talking hockey in a different uh, sense right now? Well, usually around this time, you know, you're, you're having either that post on social media or the thought offline of just like, wow, do I miss hockey? Like already, right? Like what would we be like a month, not even yet of no hockey. It'd probably be like two weeks after the Stanley Cup final. Um, who knows? But yeah, I mean, you have that like genuine, like I miss hockey at this point regularly, but now it's like an intense aggression that I have. I am like, we need this to happen. And you know, at, at some points, it's like, gosh, how long can we keep going into the summer before we start back up again? And we're hoping for the safety. We want everything to fall in place. And as we talk, to about these two hub cities, this has not been an easy process whatsoever. And we have um, the NHL, NHLPA, just countless committees meeting every single day, maybe even 
multiple times a day to figure out what, you know, phase three is going to look like, what phase four is going to look like. You talked about free agency, all these different contracts and signing bonuses and how everything's going to be working out. So um, away from that all happening, I mean, I just was so eager to have a, uh, a starting date, maybe like when are we going to see hockey again? And I say was, I still am. But um, yeah, it, at this point, like I've gotten over that. How late are we going to go? I'm like, when is it going to happen? Like, let's go. August hockey. I don't even know, like September hockey, like we will see, but I feel like some fans are mixed emotions about that. Um, which is hard for me to maybe, you know, you would think the diehard fans, like you want to see hockey at any point, but it is going to be different. There's no doubt about that. And why not just embrace it? Why not embrace it, Jordan? This is awesome. What about you? I mean, again, you're, you're always busy around the clock, even in the off season, but I, how, uh, sort of, excited are you to just anticipate when this is going to start up as well? Cause you are writing those free agency articles, but you're also talking about this 2014 playoff format. That's not something you see every single season. No, certainly not Katie. And I, I'm with you. I'm excited too. I'm, a, I'm very excited that the count, the calendar has turned to July because uh, all along uh, we've known that July 10 is the target date for the start of training camps, which is when I think it's going to feel really real. Because we've seen these voluntary workouts where some guys are kind of trickling in. But, you know, they're not doing anything super extensive. They're in small, relatively small groups. Training camp, I think, is when it's going to feel like, wow, we're actually getting close to this thing. Because, you know, all teams will be together in full and practices should be intense. Um, people will be keeping an eye on a course of, uh, you know, of all the coronavirus testing and how the, the health and safety of everyone uh, is um, transpiring throughout this. Uh, so I think that's when it's going to feel, uh, you know, definitely real and like we're getting close. Um, but to it's going to be a different real though, right? I mean, it's like you're excited and we say July 10th. I mean, there might even be reports that's like a few days after too, but July 10th is what we're all crossing our fingers for, but it will be in this month, Jordan too. I mean, it yes. is coming up soon, but yeah, it, it's excitement, but it's also so much uncertainty too. It's kind of like, yeah. It's kind of different for us media peeps. It definitely is. And, and to your point about the hub cities, I can only imagine how difficult that was to finally land on the two that they wanted. You, there's, you think about it, there's just so many variables that go into that decision in terms of right. restrictions, uh, which, which cities, um, the this, this state of which cities are in, in terms of uh, positive cases, what the arenas can hold uh, – what makes sense for the league. Like, like just so many different things really go into it. Um, so good for the NHL for potentially landing on those two, Edmonton and Toronto. And, and the thing you think about too is like the NHL and sports in period are so calendar driven. You know, everything just goes in a routine in a pattern and you're so used to a certain month being dedicated to a specific thing. Obviously, June is typically when the Stanley Cup finishes and then the draft is held and then July is free agency and development camps. So this is so different for everyone right now. It's, you know, all of that is up in the air and uh, everyone is focused on getting this season, hopefully resumed uh, in a safe fashion and, and finishing it. And then everything else will have to be adjusted. Uh, and Katie, speaking of adjustments right now, there's obviously a lot of talk with the hub cities, but another topic among the NHL and the NHLPA is, um, is free agency. Typically, July 1 is when free agency opens. Obviously, that is not happening. So a lot of those players that can become unrestricted free agents 
in the offseason need to know when, you know, they're going to hit the market. Uh, obviously, a lot of players are focused on the return to play, but a lot of other players are uh, trying to know what's next for them for themselves. Right. So a big topic is the salary cap um, and when free agency will open. It's looking like November 1 is the new date, but everything still needs to be signed off on. But it looks like November 1 could be when free agency will open. That will be essentially the new July 1, Katie. And another challenge for all of this is that each year, typically the cap floor climbs, and this year it should remain flat. It looks like it will stay at $81.5 million, which makes the offseason trickier for everyone uh, across the market. Katie, that brings us to two names for the Flyers, Derek Grant and Justin Braun. Those are two guys that can become unrestricted free agents in the offseason. In a really good article by TSN's Frank Saravalli, he outlines kind of all of the issues going into this uh, unique time. And then he also details his top 50 uh, UFAs, soon-to-be UFAs. He had Grant and Braun both there. Those were the two flyers in that list. Katie, we're going to look at should the flyers re-sign these guys? Should they not? What will it take? Let's start with you. What do you think? And we'll also start with Derek Grant. Derek Grant, should he be re-signed and why? Yeah, I mean, first off, you got to love seeing, like, two Flyers in the top 50 UFAs. Like, heck, yeah, you guys will want these two. Like, we got yeah. them. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you would want to keep them in the long run. Um, for Derek Grant, first off, you have a player uh, – I'm looking to back at this because it was it – was, the Flyers were his eighth team in his career, correct? His eighth team – and I'm just counting this out, guys, because if yeah. anybody pulled up his, his career here, it's like you're looking at so many different teams – that he's played with. And, and just that being said, um, we have such a small sample size. Like it was so such a small amount of time he was spent here in Philadelphia, but what he was able to do it in those short seven games, get a goal, get four assists. He even was on a three game point streak at one point, but Jordan, how much too? I mean, I'm turning this back to you, but I just want your clarification on this or not clarification, but your memory of this moment. Cause I do remember it was that third game. He really made that splash First couple, you were kind of like, you could tell he was trying to get his feet wet, knowing the systems and where, how the style of play was um, with a different team. But you saw him just stand out so much, especially um, in the last few games before the season paused. And it, we really were just like looking at each other. Like Chuck Fletcher mentioned, this was all, they did, he didn't want to overhaul the team. He just wanted to add depth at that trade deadline. He did exactly that with Derek Grant. And the first couple, you were unsure maybe, but really seeing him step up. And in total, you look at those seven games. I mean, he is such a key component to this team. He is. And he really did more than I think many anticipated. He checked a lot of the boxes for the Flyers at the deadline because, like you said, Katie, Chuck Fletcher didn't want to overhaul the team. He didn't want to subtract. But he did want to add. Uh, and to add without subtracting too much, you had to get kind of a cost-effective player. And Derek Grant was a really cost-effective player because – he was a guy that was set to become an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. So you weren't really dedicating any years to him unless you wanted to later on by re-signing him. And he was, he's, his cap hit was $700,000. Like, that is nothing. That is really cheap. Um, so the Flyers only lost a draft pick and a minor league player to get him. And he was a really productive guy in the sense that he wasn't going to light up the score sheet, but he was going to do a lot of bottom six qualities. He could yeah. play center. He could play wing. Um, he has size. 
He was going to be tough to play against. He could help you on the PK. Um, and he was an underrated scorer. He, he had career highs this year in goals and points um, at 30 years old. A pretty timely time to have a career year, given that he is set to hit the market at 30 years old and he was not making much at all. So he will get a little bit of a payday. But speaking to what you said, he kind of surprised us with the way he scored. He had, like you said, uh, four, uh, five points in seven games. Uh, we expected him to kind of do little things, but he actually did a lot of positive things on the score sheet too, which makes him really yeah. appealing to the Flyers to resign. What do you think, Katie? Well, yeah, and I have to clarify too, Philadelphia was the seventh team. I, I had to look back on this, but uh, yeah. like I, a point being there, like, yeah, there's so many different teams. It's like you're counting out. It, it ends up being Philadelphia is the seventh team he's played for. Another thing on top of that was, and Jordan, we had articles about both of these players. We'll get to Justin Braun, but Derek Grant, we graded their regular season performances. And Grant obviously had such a small sample size for us to really dive into. But when I looked at overall that, you know, how many teams this guy's played for, when you brought a player like this in at his age, as you mentioned, you know, and you don't really know what you're going to get out of him, you did know he knew how to adjust to a new dressing room. He knew how to adjust, how to pick his bag up either down the hall or across country or wherever he's going. In this case, it was across country in a way um, and, and really adjust to a new team. Um, and that was sort of reassuring. But really, as you mentioned, he surprised us and, and seeing him out there. Um, really just fit into this team was a whole different thing. Um, and I mentioned earlier, he's such a key component, but I needed to elaborate there. He's a key component for the depth. Um, you, you mentioned too, that, that depth has been so important. We, we've talked about that so much. Uh, that is truly why the Flyers got to where they are in 69 games this regular season. Um, and, and if that depth wasn't there, even in the last seven games where Derek Grant was stepping up, who knows where we would have been. But having that kind of guy, especially – looking at the depth, like it's not all younger players, but you don't really have players of, of Derek Grant's age in the depth position as much. And so to have someone like him help out and, you know, in the bottom six, uh, it truly made an impact. And if we're looking at, you know, you can argue seven games, it could have been, you know, any way Derek Grant or not, I think the Flyers should look to re-sign him. You want to keep things the way they are. They were definitely working. Um, something was, was getting going there. We all felt it too. I know you fans out there listening, like, you felt that snowball effect, like it was getting bigger and bigger going into closer into the end of the regular season. Unfortunately, we don't need to go back into it. It was paused. It's it, well, and it, it was finished off that way too. But um, I think Derek Grant was part of that excitement. He added to that snowball effect of everything getting bigger and better. And I think the Flyers should look to resign him. I like that. And I think they will absolutely look to resign him too, Katie. And at first, when I when, when they acquired him, I understood why. You know, he, he could be a UFA in the offseason. So he was – I almost thought he was going to be a rental type of guy that maybe they really wouldn't look to re-sign at his age. Uh, but he, he was such a positive player for them. And I think a few things factor into this too. For one, I think the Flyers can see how he does in this 2014 tournament. So if he comes out and really even grows even more in this tournament and shows how much he can help them – then I think the Flyers will be enticed even more. But I think that seven-game sample did a lot for his chances at being re-signed. He won't be over-expensive. Uh, he only made 700000 last year. So he's going to get a payday, but you think about it, he's not going to look to probably make a massive increase. Uh, maybe he's looking for $1, 2000000 $2 for a few years um, at, this, at this stage. And then I think another thing that makes him attractive to the re-sign is that he is very versatile in his position. So 
he's a center, but he can play wing. The Flyers even played him at the wing for a little bit. Um, so the, they're not going to be blocking anyone. They won't be blocking Morgan Frost if they resign him because Grant can slide to the wing. Um, you don't really know what you're getting from Nolan Patrick quite yet. Uh, we really, it's tough to tell with his future. Um, so Grant really gives them kind of a security blanket in that regard, and he doesn't block them at any position. So I think that's what will make him attractive too. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Katie, jumping to the next guy, Justin Braun. A little bit of a different case than Derek Grant. Similar in some ways, but also different. What do you think about Justin Braun and his chances of being here next year? Yeah, look, this is another guy that we did, uh, we did grade. And, you know, to look back on his career, it's like, we knew, I mean, as a defenseman too, it's not going to be like, you're, you're not looking to score as much. You're not looking for that out of it. But I, what we were looking for really out of Braun is to bring leadership to be that stable presence at the blue line, which he was, especially when we saw him play with Travis Sanheim, a younger player. I truly think he made Sanheim better. Like he makes different players better, but it's not really shown on a score sheet as much. It's just things that, I mean, you could argue, you could look at Corsi and look at, you know, expected goals again, any of that. You could get into the numbers that maybe would explain a little more. But just generally, he, he does make players around him better, um, at least who he's playing with. And another thing, we talk about the depth. How much did the defensive uh, players as a group, too, improve this season? Especially when you look back at, you know, goals against and in comparison to this 2019-2020 season, Justin Braun had a lot to do with that. And, yes, I could argue a little bit of that Minnesota chemistry, maybe, with Matt Niskanen made it, made it nice for him. He spent his nine-year career with the Sharks, and then he comes into a – the Flyers locker room and see some familiar faces. Um, certainly that chemistry is helpful. When you look through um, how, you know, his impact on the score sheet too, I mean, 19 points, again, isn't what you, you're not expecting too many points out of a, a blue liner, but he does bring sort of that presence out there um, that doesn't go to say really as much on a score sheet. So I think, again, things are uh, good. You keep them going. Um, we know Chuck Fletcher wanted to improve the defensive group a lot in the offseason. He knew what he was doing when he brought in different guys, um, that being Justin Braun. And I think that uh, he might like it here as well. But, yeah, just overall what I had to say about Sandheim, that's like my one biggest takeaway. Like I even started to get into his stats. That's not really what I was focusing on when I looked at this player, especially when we graded him. Um, but I don't know about you. I just felt like that is one of the biggest key components he's been able to bring is just – being that stable presence at the blue line, being a veteran leader that's been around the league that knows how to, you know, take on top players like Sidney Crosby and other guys that are, are going to be on the ice against you and just really being that good teacher as well, specifically for Sanheim. Yeah, I really like Justin Braun too, Katie. I thought he did a lot of positive things. I know some fans, I think, were frustrated at first because he didn't get off to the best start. His plus minus was kind of ugly. And for a guy like him who's kind of like a stay-at-home defenseman who you're not expecting to contribute offensively when you're getting beat um, by forwards on the rush and you're having trouble staying in front of guys like that's your one job is to kind of kill plays and get the puck going back north um, and he he struggled to do that early on and I think fans started kind of wondering man why did we give up picks for this guy but he was probably one of their better defensemen since like Christmas uh, and really did help, like you said, with their goal prevention and really turning that around from last year, which was a major weakness for them. But his case, I think, is a little more complicated, and I'm not exactly sure. I feel like it right now it feels like it's like a 50-50 chance, like 50 chance they resign and 50% chance they don't. I think the, the troublesome part of it is he's 33 years old. So 
you know, the Flyers are really young at defense, and they, they already have some young prospects coming up. Right, uh, I was going to mention that, too. So he's 33, and it's gonna, it might come down to what he's willing to, to take. Um, if he's willing to take, like, a one-year deal for cheap, you know, he, he made $3.8 million last year, and I don't know if he's going to get that at his age. Um, he's probably going to have to take a, you know, pay cut. And sometimes at that age, you're looking for a little more years on your deal because, you know, you're towards the end of your days and you kind of want more security in terms of years instead of going from one-year contract to one-year contract. So it's difficult. I don't know. It's really tough to tell. I think it's 50-50. My gut says no just because of his age um, and what he might make and look to make. And I don't know if you want to commit too many years to him. And the Flyers are pretty deep at the position. So maybe they're willing to say, hey, thank you, Justin Braun. Appreciate what you did. Uh, but we're looking to move forward with what we have. And just given that the cap will be tighter, spending and everything in that, this regard for this offseason will be trickier. I think Braun might be a one guy they, they might have to part ways with. But I would not be opposed if they brought him back, Katie. And I think, I think you share that sentiment as well. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's like, what are they going to want next season? Like, what's going to be the style? Are they going to look into more of the younger prospects, like you mentioned, younger players to bring up? Um, or are they going to, you know, lean on a veteran presence? And uh, Matt Niskanen is still right there in the mix as well. But, um, yeah, I have to agree, too. Just overall, though, looking back, like, didn't have the best start, as you mentioned. But you're not mad, really, to see him back. Like, I personally wouldn't be upset. Like, you sort of you trust in that defensive group what they've been able to do. So whether he's there or not, like, I would want to see him there. But, you know, as you said, we'll, we'll just find out what happens. But certainly wouldn't be a bad thing to have um, Mr. Justin Braun make another return. But it's, it's nice to just talk through players and, and think about the, the healthy players we're going to be getting back in this lineup, too, in the 2014 playoff format. Um, and Jordan, you had a, a great article too on this on the, the positive reinforcements for the Flyers. They're going to have a lot of different helping hands, specifically when you think about the black aces and, and different um, injuries that will be returning. Uh, great article, and it's a great thing to remember. I'll, I'll let you get more into it, but fans too, you can check this out right now on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Um, and, you know, different, different players, we got to remember too Shane Gossespierre, Nate Thompson. Everyone's, it's an equal playing field for all teams, uh, Jordan, but the way the Flyers are playing so well, now just the cherry on top, you get these extra reinforcements. How nice is that? Yeah, it really is, Katie. Like you said, it's just, this is a different type of uh, tournament. This is obviously first time the NHL has done this. So, um, so they're, you know, they're adjusting with the tournament. And it, it, it appears like they may expand rosters to like 28 to 30 players. Uh, that is yet to be uh, set in stone, but Katie had us kind of thinking if they did expand rosters to 28 or 30, um, who would be kind of the top reinforcements for the Flyers? So thank you for plugging that article. I looked at uh, my top five that I think will be uh, there for Elaine Vigneault if he needs to use them. Uh, Katie, we kind of know exactly what the Flyers are looking at on defense. It's that sixth and final defenseman will certainly come down to Philip Myers, Robert Haig, or Shane Gossespierre. So whoever I have that, a broken record for saying it, but a great problem to have. Right? Exactly. A great problem to have. And we know if a defenseman comes out of the lineup, that seventh defenseman is pretty cut and clear. We know who it's going to be. But at forward, I think the Flyers have kind of an array of options, really. Um, it could be a number of guys. 
So I wanted to start with you. If you think there's one forward that is their top reserve, their top guy that Elaine Vigneault could turn to and insert in the lineup if needed, who is it and why for you? This is tricky, Jordan. I mean, like overall, I'm going to just oh, – it's, it's tough because this all matters on who gets hurt, who's pulled out of the lineup, what kind of player do you need to be, you know, plugging in that position and really helping out. There's something about Morgan Frost right now for me. Yeah. There is something about this, first off, frost warning in the middle of a, uh, you know, summer season, the summer fi- – sorry, I, I know fans are sick of hearing those little – those little fun trick on words there, but you got to love that last name. Um, there, there will be, I think I just, I have this feeling right now about Morgan Frost and a player that's so hungry, a player at his age is so highly skilled, Jordan. We still remember seeing him in that preseason, just how, how much he's been able to do. Um, has he really gotten like his feet wet with the Flyers this season? I don't feel that way. And no, I don't, you know, he really hasn't. Um, but he does have that ability to just be the, maybe the spark plug that the Flyers would need. Um, the only thing you could argue and maybe I'm skeptical about is at his age, like, would he be ready for this kind of situation, um, to just jump in there and, and help out right away. But yeah, there's just that like hunger that I sense from him, uh, and just how eager he is to get back out on the ice. He's like all season long, he's really wanted to just prove like, Hey, I belong here. And so maybe this could be the chance in this 2014 playoff format. And that's why I think he would be the top guy. But again, it all depends on who gets hurt. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Yeah, I really like the one on Morgan Frost. He was the first one I looked at as well, Katie, and for exactly what you oh, said. Oh, I took yours. No, 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 no. But I'm, I'm going to counter that point too. But I see what you're saying with Frost. He's a guy that maybe even if someone doesn't get hurt, say the Flyers are in the middle of the best of seven in the first round, and they're in a bit of a hole, and they're struggling to score, uh, who better than, than Morgan Frost to insert into your lineup and kind of give you an injection of offense? Um, if you remember when he was called up for his NHL debut, the Flyers were struggling to score goals a little bit. You put Frost in there, a guy who is sort of like a lightning strike because he can just make plays out of nothing. He, can, he makes things happen with his high level of skill, he has a pedigree of scoring, and he did that. He had three points in his first two games. He really gave the Flyers a jolt of offense. So I think if you're looking for a spark in that regard, Frost is a great guy to say, hey, kid, get in there and give us something. But I could definitely see it maybe being Nate Thompson, just because, like you said, Katie, in this type of tournament, maybe you want to throw a guy in with experience, a guy that you can kind of trust. Nate Thompson probably won't have – this tournament won't really be too big for Nate Thompson. Uh, he's a guy that's played – a 35-year-old that the Flyers acquired at the trade deadline. He has played in 62 playoff games. He's played in the Eastern Conference Final. He's played in a Western Conference Final. And he's not going to hurt you. He's a guy that you can trust. Uh, he's not a Morgan Frost that's going to go out there and just make a, make a wow play and score, you know, all the time. But he can win faceoffs. Um, he can help you on your PK. He's a subtle guy that's just going to go in there and you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, so I think he's a guy that will probably come out of the lineup for JVR, who was hurt at the time of the pause. Um, but it would not surprise me at all if Vigneault wants to get Nate Thompson in there for a game or two because uh, for his experience, for the little things that he does, I could see it being Nate Thompson as well. But these are, like you said, Kitty, the same thing with defense. 
The same thing with forwards for the Flyers. These are good problems to have. You have a veteran 35-year-old who can go in there and help you, and you have a 21-year-old first-round pick who can score with the best of them. So, you know, good things to have for Elaine Vigneault. And you know what I just remembered, too, about Morgan Frost? I like your point about Thompson, but with Frost – it wasn't this twice, or am I mistaken, that Claude Giroux, right off the face-off, said, wait right here and I'll pass it back to you, and he just went and scored. Yeah, I think it was that was... two times, it was for sure one, but just those little ways that, um, and I'm looking too at Frost's numbers, seven points in 20 games, not bad. Like, definitely you would want more, but really not bad for a young player that's really trying to get into the league. So 20 games um, is, is enough, I feel like. But you, you would like to see more, but who knows what he could bring again. But, yeah, I was just thinking, Jordan, I'm like, I remember just those little plays, those little – like, he has such a, a – what would I say? Like, vision for the ice, but also just so much game smarts at his age, too, and his skill. Um, he's really just – that, you know, intelligence really matters out there. And to have maybe, you know, a leader like Giroux really believe in a younger guy like him and give him that shot, pun intended – um is pretty like you got to think too like I want to see exciting things like that happen as well in this 2014 playoff format so he could bring something but I like Nate Thompson as well yeah and I'm glad you brought that up Katie Morgan Frost's two goals were like highlight real goals and they kind of sum up they kind of sum up his ability the first one if you remember he got in tight and just totally fooled Sergei Bobrovsky Sergei Bobrovsky he got in tight and went top shelf on him. It, like, it was a nasty goal. And then the second goal was the one that you mentioned that was really nice. It was right off the, right off the, uh, the face-off. Giroux gets the puck to Frost, and he just lets it right it. back. So th- those were two highlight real goals that make you think, wow, this kid can just – he can make plays. So that's what makes him so enticing. If the Flyers really need some offense, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes in a series you get into a funk and you need, you need an injection of offense. Frost is such a good guy to have. Um, yeah, and I thought it was two right off of the faceoff. But, yeah, you're right. It was one. He had two total goals. Um, it felt like two because that was such a, an electric goal. You're right. You just yep. ripped it. Um, but I do remember hearing that after the game that Giroux told him, hey, wait here. Like, he, he had the whole thing set up. So, he's got the captain. He's right under his wing. Um, but, you know, who knows what could happen. Hitting the road this weekend, make sure you add Sports Uncovered Marathon on Ice to your playlist. The podcast takes Flyers fans behind the scenes of the epic overtime win in the 2000 playoffs. Hear behind the scenes, never told stories from the players and broadcasters who lived it. Then binge the other three episodes of the Sports Uncovered series, like the one featuring Michael Jordan, wherever you listen to your podcast. You're going to love this transition. We're actually changing from the captain to Sean Couture. We're going to finish the show really reflecting on this amazing face-off taker, that being Sean Couturier. Um, this is no breaking news. Everyone, I, I would think, knows a lot about this. We have this stat up in, in games throughout this regular season. Um, he's fantastic at taking face-offs. He's, um, he was 59.7% when the regular season ended, leading the Flyers in that matter. Um, and it's just truly remarkable, Jordan. Even seeing him have like an injury earlier in the season, he still gets in there and he still tries to take a face off, even if he has to do it with a different hand. And he, he finds a way to make it happen. This guy's amazing. Really is. Like, that's why he's up for the Selkie trophy. He's such a do it all guy. And it's funny, it, it takes me back to last season. I remember, I'm almost positive, I have to double check this, but I'm almost positive the Flyers were, were the, they were the top face off team last year as well. And a lot of fans were kind of like, 
Well, what, like, is that even an important set? Like, they're the top faceoff team, but their goal differential is in, like, the minus 30. So, like, what does it matter? Well, it is still really important. It's important what you do after the faceoff. So, you have to win the faceoff to get possession. And the Flyers really cleaned up this year of making that faceoff statistic really important because they won faceoffs but then they knew what to do with the puck after they won the faceoff. So, yes, it is very important. And Chong Gattorier is by far the leader of that charge. He won 59.6% of his faceoffs. That's best in the league of all players, players that have taken a minimum of 100 faceoffs. For example, Gattorier is taking 900-plus faceoffs. Uh, he is the top guy of all guys who have taken at least 100. 59.6. And – that, that story that you mentioned just gives you a glimpse of how much pride he takes in that. If you remember in November, it was early November, late October, he had that shoulder strain. And I remember Elaine Vigneault joked that his medical guys were coming up to him after games and they were like, what the heck? Like, AV, we told you, like, we need, we need Sean not taking face-offs. Like, and Sean was still going in the circle and taking face-offs. And AV left and he was like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, and what would happen was, like, Konechny would go and take the face-off, and maybe he would, get, he would get kicked out of the circle, and then Couturier would be like, well, I got it. And <laughs> he would go take it. Um, and A.V. was like, hey, what can I do? Like, the, Sean Couturier loves taking face-offs. And, uh, he can't hold them back. Yeah, and he's like – so he's like, I was, I was reprimanded by our medical guys for Couturier taking face-offs. So Couturier was kind of uh, – tricky in the way he would kind of jump in there when someone uh, got kicked out. Then he started taking them with his offhand, which I can only imagine how difficult that is, but the guy found the way to do it. Uh, well, don't... another thing fans might forget or any hockey fans out there, how much pressure is on your shoulders when you're taking a face off? Like that is not, you're leaning over, you have full, you know, force of your stick, but you're completely pushing down yeah. on the ice with your shoulders. And I feel like that's something that, maybe you don't realize. And, and we did that in a breakdown too during that injury for him. Al Morgani was talking and Chris Terrian about, they're literally showing us like how much weight and how much pressure you put on your shoulders. Like it's not really like a, I don't know. I, I can't really compare it to anything else, but your shoulders I would think are the most valuable thing you could have in the face off dot. And yet he was still finding a way to get out there. Exactly. Like you said, it really has to hurt. And it was an injury that Katoria could play through but taking face-offs, I think, was what kind of, like, aggravated it and maybe prevented it from healing as fast as they would have liked. So they tried to keep him out of the circle. Um, Couturier did listen, and he would, but sometimes he would hop in there when needed. Uh, thankfully, he healed up and got better. But uh, the Flyers are a really good face-off team. Couturier leads the charge. Claude Drew is really good. And like you said, Katie, it's an important aspect, especially when you're taking it in the defensive zone or you're taking it on a penalty kill. Those face-offs right. are crucial, uh, and I think that's a good thing the Flyers will lean on during this 2014 tournament is they have guys that can really, really win face-offs, and that's a positive. Yeah, it's all important, and I feel like it's a stat maybe we don't always focus on. I mean, we're constantly checking it, but you, you just don't really realize how much that matters. Like, that's all puck control. I mean, that leads, as you mentioned, that maybe takes away a goal opportunity for the opposing team. Maybe that leads to a goal opportunity for the Flyers, like, that is the jump ball. That is the biggest thing in the game. Um, and to have control of that for the Flyers and to have players like you mentioned, Giroux, right close behind him, but Anne Couturier, a great player, Couturier. We are always pumping his tires. He's great, you know, 200-foot game, but his face-off abilities, we all know, 
are, are something to really uh, sit back and just appreciate when you see where the Flyers ended up. I completely think, um, you know, he's a main reason for this uh, with all of his abilities included, but faceoffs are so important. And as you mentioned, that will be, you know, that shoulder we know is well healed by now. He, he carried on the, the rest of the season. You don't really like to hear that, Jordan. It's like, all right, yeah. let's be a little smart here. Like, we need you. Right. But, yeah, as you mentioned with AVs, like, okay, well, like, what am I going to do? Like, go out there and, like, grab his ear and, and bring him out of the, the face stuff? That, no. But, yeah, it'll be exciting. And those abilities will certainly be, like, something you depend on in this 2014 playoff format. We know how the playoffs go. This is a different situation. But, um, you know, getting as much puck control as possible is going to be the most important thing. I mean, it leads to so many different opportunities. So, yeah, kudos to, to, to uh, Couturier. Wait, try saying that fast. Kudos to, kudos to Couturier. That's a tongue there twister. We go. Hey. But Katie, when no, you, always presenting a challenge. What can I say? Exactly. And Katie, when we're talking about getting excited about face-offs, that definitely means we're getting closer to hockey, which is definitely exciting. Um, and we hope uh, next week we will have more news for you, more analysis. <laughs> Uh, as we get closer to the July 10, get closer to training camps, and hopefully closer, this, hopefully closer to this tournament starting. But, Katie Emmer, thank you as always. And for fans out there that want to go to Twitter to wish our friend Katie Emmer a happy birthday. No. Her birthday is on Monday. Correct, Katie? I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it is. It, you know what, Jordan? You're the best. Are you doing this because I made fans do it for you? I have to. Yep. Flyers fans, Katie Emmer's <laughs> hey, birthday is on Monday. Please wish her a happy birthday and also have a wonderful holiday weekend. And thank you always for listening. Um, that is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.